Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a miracle made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made, come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 397. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we rejoice over the fact that 18 shows are opening on Broadway in the spring. I'm your host, Nikki Farsad, and apparently that number of shows is a crazy bananas. And it could be incredible, but it could also be a financial bloodbath. So, theater-loving citizens of the world, come to New York. Now's your chance to see shows. Um, I don't think I've ever done a public service announcement for Broadway before, but I felt the need. So there it is. There you have it. And today, we're not going to talk about Broadway, but instead we're going to talk about what being sober means, because spoiler, it doesn't mean fully being sober. We'll also talk about how honest we can be about cultural criticism in the public sphere, and we'll dip our toes into the political muck with Trump, Biden, and Alabama. And finally, the Mr. Mom trope. Is it a thing of the past? I'm so curious. And you know who's here to talk about all of this with me? I am so excited by this panel. Um, I had the distinct pleasure of working with this guy very recently. He's a comedian. He's a writer. He's got a new special out, and I he's so funny and I cannot wait for you guys to see the special it is called wallpaper and it's free on YouTube the man's name is Adam Caton Holland hey Adam hello it's nice to see you again thanks for having me on 
Oh my God, it's so great to see you. I had the distinct honor of being on Adam's podcast. He's a co-host of a wonderful podcast called uh, Grawlix Saves the World. And it's, I mean, as the title suggests, it's about saving the world. Um, no big deal. Yep. And what we did was we, t- we devoted an entire episode... <laughs> to talking about the park that I work uh, work for, work with, work on volunteer on behalf of. <laughs> so I, I can't figure out that phrasing. Um, Tompkins Square Park, listeners have heard me talk about it, obviously. And um, I love me some Tompkins Square Park, and we talked about all of the stuff. Uh, and we, we, we ideated, if you will. <laughs> We really did. A lot of podcasts are, are afraid to to devote an entire episode to park improvement, but we've always been described <laughs> as brave, as a very oh, brave podcast, and so we, we just went right at went it. We went for it so yep. hard. Yep. If we you really want to hear a bunch of comedians with just minimal knowledge about public services. <laughs> or how to get anything done, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on our behalf, on our side, not Nagin's. But what I loved was there was so much public, um, there was so much park nerdery that we shared. Yeah. And it was really a beautiful thing. So it thank was. you so much for having me on that show. And listeners, you should definitely subscribe to Garlic Saves the World only after you've watched the new special um, from Adam, Kate, and Holland. And also up on this show, oh my God, first of all, you know him, you love him. You've heard him on the show a gajillion times before. He's a fan favorite and he is a writer. He is a co-host of the Democracy ish podcast and I and I say writer real casually I just threw it out there but I want to say he's an excellent writer we've actually read some of his things for this very show because he's that fantastic it is the wonderful Wajahad Ali hey Waj hello hello how are you I'm so good I'm so happy you're here um, I, I I appreciate being the Tony Randall of the show the the person uh, <laughs> the person who just like you bring out you're like we need we need a live body. Bring up the Wajah. No, you're the, um, you're not even a fill-in. You've been booked on the show for weeks. However, you're like Regis Philbin was to, he was always the guest on um, Letterman. 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 When uh-huh. Letterman had a cancellation because he knew it would be a fucking great time. So I, like, I did thought, it didn't. I, I, there was no self-deprecation. I thought Tony Randall crushed it on Carson all the time. So okay, I great. feel like. Okay, good. Yeah. That, so that was just I just wasn't ego. as familiar with that old reference. Yes. I, this is how we get Gen Z. We bring out Regis Philbin and Tony slightly, Randall. Yeah. Still old, this, but slightly newer reference, which is to Letterman. I know. Gen Z is going to be like, you're like the Zendaya of whatever. Anyway, okay. Um, before we get into it, I just want to remind listeners they can go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad to support the show for as little as $4 a month. Oh my God, did you say $4? Yeah, I said $4. Isn't that crazy? It's so little. I know. It's so go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad and let us now get into it with topic number one. There's uh, a spate of articles out now about the changing definition of sobriety because it used to mean you quit all of the bad substances. You're just straight edge. But analysts have found a trend of a new definition of sobriety, which involves people shunning alcohol, but instead taking up weed, ketamine, or mushrooms. And by the way, listeners know I did a boatload of mushrooms at a therapeutic psilocybin retreat, and uh, I I don't drink, so I might be one of these people. I don't know. But point (laughs) is... Um, it is a trend. And uh, before we get into it, I just want to ask, like, how, what do you think about 
this trend? Do you find it to be the case in your own lives? Are you seeing people making these like alternate choices of sobriety? I mean, I'll, I'll go first. I think I might be the wrong person to pull here. I live in Denver, Colorado, and, and <laughs> pot is just a toy. And right. so, I mean, any any dinner party, green room, if there are cookies, brownies, you literally have to ask, hey, are mm. these pot brownies? Because I'd like a sweet treat, not a nine-hour breakdown. And so <laughs> that is the landscape. So, so many people I know. In fact, my best friend who was on my podcast with you, Nagin, he's sober, but he will go ape shit on edibles anytime you ask him to and trip into the night. You know what I mean? So they're right. definitely, in my experience, it is that. And microdosing mushrooms. Ketamine is a curveball. I'm not, that's not one I've really heard about in people's sobriety journey, but that might just be my naivete. So certainly, yeah, it's not cold turkey. It's sober, off alcohol. Here are the other things I indulge in, for sure. Uh, Watch. Uh, I am here uh, as a museum piece for the children. Uh, I, I'm a straight edger. Uh, I've never drank. I don't do uh, drugs. I don't do weed. So people are like, do you exist? And there's like a very few of us left. But I do think, you know, just talking to friends who similarly feel like, oh, we don't do drugs. Oh, yeah, I just did shrooms. Uh, we don't do drugs, but I did weed. And I think it is going to change, especially as we're uh, learning more about the therapeutic benefits of mushrooms and, and marijuana. I think this young generation in particular is like, oh, yeah, I don't drink at all, man. Drinking's terrible. I don't do hard drugs. Oh, but you did weed. Yeah, weed doesn't count, bro. Um, or I did mushrooms. Oh, yeah, it's for my anxiety. So I think I think we're living through this changing description of it. And it actually makes sense, right? Because you think about it. What's the number one drug that Fs people up in America? Prescription drugs. But it's okay. There's like, there has not been a cultural like demonization of prescription drugs, even though that's what a lot of middle-aged moms and suburban moms are addicted to, right? That's a drug. But you'll never see any of these people say, oh yeah, I don't do drugs. But by the way, let me go throw down some Xanax uh, right. or, or, or a painkiller, right? So it is interesting how our culture demonizes certain drugs uh, and, and normalizes other ones. But I think this this young generation is going to be perfectly fine with shrooms and weed. You know, so I have a friend actually who's on the ketamine bandwagon. Mm. And, um, and she raves about it. Uh, and she also doesn't drink. Um, so that's interesting. I have a, so, so I, I don't know, watch if you don't drink because of being a muzz. I don't drink, um, because I get headaches, but I am also a muzz, but like it's, you know, I would, I drank when I was a muzz, so I can't credit muzzlamity. Um, on, it's for, my, for my muzz factor. It's the muzz <laughs> yeah. factor. And I remember in high school. Remember like, remember when like your friend first drinks and like they don't know what they're doing and like they inevitably throw up. So I remember a friend like, like I got alcohol, bro. And like we went to the parking lot and he drank too much and he threw up like on my shoe. And there's something about the smell in the image plus the muzz factor. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, 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 total. Well, that's kind of what, what happened to me was that like my own headache started to be like th that person throwing up. Like I couldn't handle it anymore. And I was just like, oh, one drink would like send me into a thing. But- um, That's God, Nagin. That's Allah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the last remnant of Allah inside your liver. Saying there's still hope, come back. <laughs> God sent me two young children who are like, do you really want to be hung over tomorrow? Because right. you're up at seven. You know, exactly. You're up at seven regardless, dude. <laughs> so let's talk. Exactly. Exactly. God. Oh, God. I had one glass of wine just as a like 
I was like celebrating a friend anniversary with a friend and we were just like, let's be wild and have one drink, you know? And I fucking paid for it the next day. It was horrible. Um, so Because yeah, my child will wake up at 6 a.m. She doesn't give two shits. Nope, not at all. They don't um, care at all, no. So, so there's one thing that's interesting to me, which is this mantra that weed isn't addictive, right? That's like something that you hear, hear a lot of people to say. Um, and I dated two dudes in a row who were potheads. And mm. after dating them, because for me, it's like one of those, weed has always been one of those things. Like I just, I literally have tried to form more of a regular relationship with it, but I forget and I don't take it. And like, it just, it's like, I just can't make it a regular part of my life in any way, despite actually having tried. And um, these boyfriends, I, I would, you know, we would like, go back to their place blah 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 immediately weed like every mm. every day was weed and i was like it's not addictive i guess medically but it is like in your life it is a you're addicted you know what i mean like i could and i was and it made me feel bad about they that that aspect of their personalities was something i kind of couldn't handle and it was one of mm. the like reasons that those relationships didn't work out and so i wonder like, how much does it concern you about this kind of flip-flopping of, like, well, I'm sober, but, like, weed is fine or whatever? It kind of concerns me a little bit because certainly around here, there is a big, especially now as a parent, there is a problem with these weed brownies, these weed chocolates, these weed gummies that, you know, they try to monitor how they can package them, how it's presented, but it's, inevitably it looks like candy. And so right. it does I it do, I do worry about children getting this ahead of time and and not being finding it when they're 15 or 16 and expanding their minds but just getting hurt by it. That is a concern I have about the like prevalence of it for sure. I, I had a friend who just like your former boyfriend's Nagin just became addicted to it and mm. he, it spiraled in like he spiraled and it kind of like tied into his mental health issues and so it's one of those situations I think with even with prescription drugs weed, mushrooms. I think a lot of this is what's your intention and yeah. what's the discipline behind it, right? And I think the intentionality is very key. Like, are you using this to relax for your anxiety, for your OCD, for your depression, just to hang out? But I do I do worry the fact that um, that the fact that it's become so mainstream and prevalent and, and uh, you know, manufacturers are deliberately like packaging it as like, it's a brownie and it's a treat, like without that type of education. I, I, it's going to mess up not just kids, but just people, just like prescription drugs does. Like, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an addict. Let me go have my seventh pill today. Right. What are you talking right. about? It's also a very imperfect system. I mean, everyone around here has a horror story of buying a chocolate bar, weed brownie, whatever. And the THC doesn't bake evenly if you're not a master at this. Right. So you eat one half of the candy bar. It was fine. You eat the other half and you're on the moon. And that can really, <laughs> I mean, people have lost their goddamn minds on this stuff. So I agree with your intention point because in my experience, there's very little intention. It's a lot of parents being like, this is an acceptable way to get fucked up tonight. And you're just like, are you really, are you doing this the right way? I, it concerns me a little bit. And I lose my Colorado card for saying that. I know. You have to move now. I don't even um, ski either. I'm wasting <laughs> real estate. <laughs> um, next you, next thing you tell, tell us is you don't like trees or something. <laughs> Love um, trees. Love trees. <laughs> but, we were with, we were, Gen Z was with us until we became parents. And then they're like, lame. Lame. I know. <laughs> 
I know. We've actually we've given them so many reasons to actually hate this podcast from like minute three. <laughs> um, <laughs> we need to, guys. We need to youthen up the next segment. All right. Well, folks, I feel like we landed on an on a, all of us are skeptical about this mm. new uh, trend in the use of sobri- in the of the term sobriety or this like embrace of this type of sobriety. Um, so I don't know, listeners. Let me know. I'm so curious to hear what you think. Uh, what do you think of um, this kind of new trend in sobriety and let's take a quick break so we can hear about our sponsors and when we come back we'll keep going this headgum podcast is brought to you by aura frames that is right uh from grandmothers to new mothers aunts even the friends of your life every mom loves an aura frame holy shit even aunts yes especially aunts oh well because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an aura frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there, and you know what? You can update it with an app, so every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Today's show is sponsored by Pros. This is kind of, I feel like, you know, I'm on some sort of Lord of the Rings journey trying to figure out skincare. And I feel like this customized skincare line is really got my name on it. Basically, every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skincare, I tried the skincare just recently, is made to order and it's personalized. It's got a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs, like specifically you. And then the way they do it is you take this great, like in-depth quiz, basically. They analyze over 80 factors for a complete view of your life, your beauty goals, Um, Like I have oily skin that's also dry, which is just a fun little conundrum. I live in New York City. Like we've got these four seasons. My my face gets weird during seasonal shifts. Um, I all of these things I got to kind of talk about in like in answering the questions. Um, the other fun thing was they asked us at the end, like, do you like a creamy type of moisturizer or like a less creamy kind? And I was kind of like, mm, I think like less creamy. And they were like, that's fine. Like you can do that. But we think for your skin type, 
creamier is better. And I never knew that. So I love that there's so much kind of personal information that goes into creating this. I got my stuff in the mail very quickly after I got a wonderful serum. Like I said, this very creamy moisturizer. Um, and this also very just delectably creamy cleanser that just kind of feel like I, I think it's possible that I've been washing my face with just like harsh harshness for like many years because when I saw this cleanser I was like oh is this what it's supposed to feel like it's supposed to feel like a little bit of a delight on my face that's not what I've been doing so I don't know guys and here's the thing you don't have to take my word for it in a third-party double-blind dermatologist supervised controlled clinical study um, which is like the gold standard for research studies Pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives, which just sort of totally makes sense on a just logical level if you think about it. Just it makes common sense. Pros are so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% of your first subscription order at pros.com slash Fake the nation um, will be taken off. That's pros.com slash fake the nation. You get your free consultation and 50% off your one of a kind formulas. Uh, again, that's pros.com slash fake the nation. Go and get your just super personalized, luxurious skincare products and hair care products. That's what I'm going to try next. So pros.com slash fake the nation. And we are back and we're ready with topic number two. Okay, we're going to get into some politics. Um, That'll get the kids actually... back. We got them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Biden and Trump. Segment. The kids love the Biden and the Trump. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure just, just, just octa and septuagenarians <laughs> all over the place. They got their trading cards on the playgrounds. You see them <laughs> trading them back and forth. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I'm going to throw this at you. This very morning, I got an email mm. from a listener and I wanted to share it as we go into um, our political segment because this listener, David, started off by pointing out that he's a fairly conservative white guy who listens to this podcast to hear other viewpoints. And I love that. Uh, and he wanted to gently and kindly share a criticism, which I think is helpful as we go into this election season. And I want to share some parts of this with you. I, I kind of cut and paste different sentences so that I could, um, for brevity. Uh, mm. But, if, if you know, the heart of it is, is the same. He writes, I listen to your podcast so that I can be exposed to different political and social views. I do, however, I do, however, take umbrage with many of the broad categorizations that many guests on your podcast make, particularly about conservatives. Of course, this is not just limited to the left. The conservative right makes similar generalizations about the left, and I'm not absolving them of responsibility. However, over the past decade, I have found the most closed-minded and bigoted people that I've met specifically specifically in the U.S., um, and I've lived overseas for significant portions of that time, happen to be supposed liberals. There is an unwillingness to accept that another perspective is valid. It can only be wrong. Again, not absolving conservatives from this behavior. I just found it to be slightly more egregious on the liberal side. And he goes on to say, I understand that it's a comedy podcast and comedian slash comedy is given to hyperbole and inflammatory comments. But when your guests essentially call all conservatives fascists, it is counterproductive. Now, first of all, 
David, thank you so much for this. I don't often get emails from conservative listeners and I didn't, you know, and I didn't read the whole thing, but this was just, I, I, I think you can tell from the excerpt that I did read that this was really thoughtful, it was really well-reasoned. Uh, but most of all, it's an excellent reminder going into an election season that if we want to attract people uh, to what we think is right, uh, we have to do it with more sugar and less you know, sticks that have been dipped in arsenic, you know? Um, so I guess with that spirit, um, what, did, what did you think of uh, of David's criticism of the left and, and some of the people on the left? Waj, well, I want to hear your so, take first. Uh, I appreciate your <laughs> point of view, David, but the reality in the situation is right now is that America has two political parties, right? And one of the political parties, the GOP in particular, has shown fealty to a man who has 91 criminal counts, who's a vulgarian, who just got, um, was liable for sexual assault, rape of E. Jean Carroll. And uh, as of last week, uh, owes $355 million to, to New York for a lifetime of fraud and can't do business for three years. And the leadership of the Republican Party uh, just came out uh, essentially with a plan that says that if they, you know, if Trump wins again, uh, we're going to see a Christian theocracy. So, you know, what you're saying as, uh, hey, the left is the one that cancels. Actually, if you step back, the book bans are from the right, going against trans kids from the right, Muslim ban from the right, you know, just like women's rights. We're going to talk about that, I hope, you know, what just happened yesterday from the right. And so it's one of those situations where I have a neighbor who is very religious, uh, evangelical Christian, white. Uh, his friend, his son is best friends with my son. Um, and he came up to me and he said, listen, I'm very conservative, but I cannot vote for Trump. And like, this was random too. He's just, I felt like he felt like confessing like to me. He's holding he says, it like, in. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> and he's like, I I'm very conservative. I just can't vote for Trump. And my entire family votes for him. And I just can't. I believe in God. And this man is terrible. And it saddens me to see so many of my family members who I know are good people vote for this man. And so it's one of those situations, David, where you have to realize that this conservative movement that you belong to is not the Reagan movement. It's not the Romney movement. It's not McCain. This is a different beast that is um, beholden to a man who said he'll be a dictator for a day. And if you think that, you know, white Christian nationalism is going to be good for you, fascism is good for you until you turn against it and then it comes after its own. So that's what we're up against. It is not your daddy's conservative movement. And the last thing I'll say is it's so anti the conservatives that we grew up with, you know, our friends who we just disagreed with, but we're conservative, that Mitt Romney and also Liz Cheney are no longer part of this movement. The conservative party has vomited them out. This is not a conservative movement. What we're witnessing is a right-wing authoritarian movement that wants power by any means necessary. And so that's what we're talking about. I, I, I also just want to um, mention that he did actually explicitly say in the, you know, I know you're talking... Um, generally to the audience, but also specifically to David, that he is um, an anti-Trump person. Uh, he's an anti-Trump conservative, so he's probably, you know, hopefully he'll have the opportunity to vote for someone like Nikki Haley or whatever, um, as she is apparently vowed to stay in the race. Uh, so, so, so I think that criticism there is, and as Nikki Haley has actually pointed out, and I think maybe this is the point that we should bring to the fore, which is that. 49% of the voters so far, um, Nikki Haley pointed out in, a, in, a, in, a, in, I think, a speech recently, 
did not vote for Donald Trump, right? So of the people who showed up to vote in the primary so far in like three little baby states, not which is like a just a fractional, fractional number of the people in this country, those people, 49% of them did not even vote for Trump. So they're not, so I think a lot more people are not actually about the move that movement than we think. It's hard to tell. We don't know, but we keep winning races and we keep winning, uh, you know, um, uh, statewide abortion, uh, upholding abortion rights and stuff like that. There's, there's things that we keep winning. So there is some some credence to that, I think. And um, I think so. I think I think sometimes we like if we are going to talk about movement, we really could, should specify that it's like we're talking about MAGA people. And now, and when we're looking at MAGA people, because there's a lot of people are going to vote for Trump, and I think what they do, the way we all do, is compartmentalize, where they mm. say, okay, I'm going to, I can handle, um, I'm so about taxes that I'm just going to like look the other way on abortion rights or whatever. And they don't see it as the same big deal as we see it. So if like you're, if you really try to put yourself in their shoes, they're kind of like making these calculations. They're like, I wish he wasn't a fucking asshole, but like, okay, mm. he is, but I really want those that tax break. So I, yep. I think they're making calculations in that level. So it, I mean, maybe that's kind of like something of a point too that maybe David was trying to make. What do you think, Adam? Well, I think David is one of these sort of rational conservatives who can compartmentalize a little bit. That's why he refers to himself as a conservative and not as like a MAGA head who kind mm-hmm. of, in my experience, seem very irrational, very devotional to the to the point that they block out a lot of what the man does and buy his stupid gold shoes. I do want to tell David on the left, I think we are the same way. We are rational. We do debate the merits of our guys. Biden, I can't tell you how many of my friends, myself included, have torn Biden apart for this sort of co-signing of a genocide that's going on right now. And we couldn't be more angry with the man. So we are able to pick apart our people as well and say that he might not be my guy right now. But as Waj really astutely said, it is a two-party system. And like, I know who I'm going to be voting for when it comes down between these two men, because one guy ultimately is not stripping away rights yeah. and another guy is. And that's just how I believe. And, and so that's very much from a liberal perspective, but it does boil down to a sort of generational defining moment. I wish we could go back to the Reaganomics and like yeah. have these merits of the two doctrines. But I feel like right now it's so urgent. I can't do anything but try to keep one guy out. Now, speaking of those rights, let's talk about that Alabama case. Thanks again, David, for writing. That was really like a wonderful email and I'm so appreciative of it. Uh, so the Alabama Supreme Court ruling um, came out yesterday that said that frozen embryos and test tubes should be cons- considered children. Sorry, mm. I kind of like laughed a little like involuntarily. Mm. It is because it feels really, really bananas to me. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I just that's it's bananas. But these are the types of consequences we were worried about when Roe v. Wade was overturned yeah. by the Supreme Court. And here they are. Here they are. Wadge, tell me well, your feelings. Well, as as of this recording, uh, just an hour ago, here's news out of Alabama. The major university hospital in Alabama ceases IVF procedures out of fear of criminal oh. prosecution. That's in the last 30 Damn minutes. It. 
So, you know, with David, who now becomes the representative of never Trump conservatives, this is what we're talking about, right? Uh, and, and, And like, as Adam was saying is, I will join forces with people like Liz Cheney. I never thought I would say that 20 years ago. I lived through the war on terror because at least she is for democracy and rights, okay? So in this moment, you can be against abortion. I get it. Trust me, I, I'm Muslim. I, I come from a faith community. There are a lot of people who are against it. But a lot of those folks are like, even though I'm against abortion, I live in a country where there's the freedom of religion and a freedom to be an atheist. And this country is better if women have the right to control their body. And also people with some basic medical knowledge realize that Women miscarry. Women need medical abortions to save their lives. Under this draconian ruling, which is like Handmaid's Tale times like to the thousandth, it, it punishes 51% of our population. That It punishes your mother, your sister, your daughter, right? And if you listen to Republicans, literally just listen to them for what they're saying is uh, a frozen embryo has more rights than a living, breathing woman. And if a woman has to have, God forbid, an abortion, not only would she be punished, but in some of these states, the person who helps her get that abortion will be punished as well. And as I was mentioning, Naginho, this this Christian theology type of framework that Trump is bringing in, if he wins again, they want to go against contraceptives. They want no-fault divorce. uh, They want zero abortions. And so do you really want your sister and your daughter and your mother to live in that type of a fascist regime? And if so, why? Uh, I also want to point out... With just, that lighthearted <laughs> statement. <laughs> I think we definitely got the kids back with this segment. Um, I Anyway, Taylor Swift, what's she wearing? <laughs> Did she do IVF? <laughs> so I did I did IVF and not to brag I have like five embryos in a freezer um Yeah that I Those continue- Iranian eggs Yeah what what <laughs> and um I also like don't plan on using them, but I just keep paying for that storage fee, which is a really fun, weird psychological problem I have. Mm. Um I feel extremely deeply for the women in Alabama mm. who were getting their treatment at that fucking facility that is now ceasing operations because it is so difficult to have to do IVF in the first place. Nobody wants to have to do it. Mm. And we're just in this situation where fertility rates are dropping, like women are having children later because of a ton of reasons, capitalism. And we need the technology to make all this work. Population rates are declining. Mm. Uh, Like we need to make this work, you know what I mean? And it's so difficult to do it. And I cannot believe that this case is like, impacting the lives of these women in Alabama who have to go through this miserable thing in order to be able to have children that like we as Amer- as Americans who want to replenish our population for tax-based reasons if not anything else right we should be supporting like stuff like IVF that makes it possible for women um to be able to to have children so it's wild. Uh, Adam. Yeah. I mean, it's so impossible not to go to 1984 levels right now. Mm-hmm. While you were saying we're handsmaid's tale times 10,000. I couldn't agree more. And and if, you know, th- to the Davids of the world, you're seeing what's happening with the MAGA Christian right. Like I, you go to that place and it's like, okay, are women not allowed to ovulate anymore? Does mm. Can they just say, all right, no more wasted eggs. Our population's declining. 
are men are not allowed to jerk off because that semen's precious. Like, no, because men never get affected. But these are the type of places this could go to if we allow this ball to just keep rolling down the hill. And that's terrifying. And it's I never thought Roe versus Wade would be overturned in my lifetime. Civilized countries don't take away rights. They add rights. And mm. it's just happening left and right. And America, America actually joins only three other countries, which has backslid when it comes to women's rights. So just to let you know that the rest of the world is moving forward, especially when it comes to abortion rights and women's rights. And with, with Dobbs, and especially now what's happening in these states, the red states, we are like just, it's like one of four countries going backwards. So this this generation, you know, I think about that. This young generation of women is the first generation to have less rights than their mother's generation. Right. And that's a damn shame. It's just, okay, great. Um, so great, great, just fun chat. Um, <laughs> Um, let's quickly talk about again, like this isn't fun either, but let's I talk tried about... to bring up jerking off. It was as fun as I could make it. And again, it's a rough subject. <laughs> and, and he saved no. our sperm though. In in, in his hypothetical, our sperm was saved. So that was happy. <laughs> saved by the splooge, as always, as my mother always said. Um, let's talk quickly about the coverage of Biden's age, because in the last two weeks it felt like all anyone could talk about was Biden's age. And the White House was really upset with the New York Times. The New York Times basically came out with a statement being like, we're going to continue to report fully and fairly. And I wonder, how is that coverage, I mean, not from the New York Times specifically, but just in general, felt to you? Like, do... What else did you hear about the campaign? Was it mostly just the age? Like, well, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just curious how this is all landing. And do you think it feels fair? Re like recognizing 100% that we do have an 81-year-old running for office. <laughs> like, I know that that's happening. I'm not trying to like, you know, sugarcoat that. Uh, I feel like it's fair. But I also feel like it just seems to be completely neglected that the other guy's 77. There and you so go. you're yeah. just kind of like, okay, well, if you want to say you're old, well, you're old too. It just seems like a weird uh, offensive angle to go on on Biden. Agreed. Too old. Also think Trump's too old. I think they should spin it and just be like, you know, Donald Trump is only four years younger than Joe Biden, but look at what he's accomplished. And then just list all these court cases, everything, you know, like <laughs> yeah, in a yeah, mere yeah, 77 yeah. years, this geriatric has done this much more. Just flip the narrative on him because I feel like it's not an angle to really go at a guy when the other guy's four years younger. And then the fun thing, I think for every clip of Biden slurring or using the, you know, forgetting what the, you know, mixing up the country name or something like that, there is a clip of Trump doing the exact same thing. The only go. difference is Trump has been doing it since 2015. <laughs> so he like oddly gets a pass. Like he does it every day. Yes. But he gets a pass because we're used to him not being able to string sentences together. It's just like part of his charm um but like with with biden it seems like it's like a part of his age and so the it's it that equation has also has felt really unfair to me watch the the number i would stress is 91 the criminal counts that trump has uh and i would just and like adam said i've been telling democrats own it because people are concerned that there's two old white men running but then pivot so yeah, Biden is 81 years old, but guess what? He's a man who cares about democracy. The number 91 is how many criminal accounts the other guy, number 77-year-old Trump, not a Sprite chicken has as well. And then also, 
you know, I was at CNN for a year and, you know, I, I written for the New York Times and I could tell you the way our media industry works. It, they're just trained this way. Uh, unfortunately, it's, it's frustrating. It's maddening. But producers, editors, it's like it's like a type of rigidity. That, that they just can't change. We have to both sides everything. We have to both sides everything. Oh my God, the right wing's gonna attack us. And I always tell them the right wing will always attack you. Forget <laughs> right. about both sides, be truthful, right? Mm -hmm. But it, it is very real, the fact that they bend over backwards. And the, and the analogy I give is a Charlie Brown episode where it's like Lucy and Charlie Brown. Lucy, you're not, not gonna lift up the football. And she goes, no, I won't. <laughs> and then Charlie runs and she lifts up the football, right? And then Charlie Brown falls on his ass. And then that's how I feel like the majority in mainstream institutions are is that you cave to bad faith right-wing actors mm -hmm. in order to appear quote unquote both sides are neutral meanwhile they don't give a shit they'll shank you uh you know with bad faith attacks and like you said what i the other thing that i said and adam and you nagin brought it up is i'm like okay if we're living in a both sides environment let's do both sides biden's old Trump's old. Biden slurred. Look at what Trump did. Trump literally confused B uh, Biden and Obama like several times in the past few weeks. He's like, I don't know if you've been paying attention to his rallies, Nagin. He's been saying gibberish the last yeah. three weeks. It's Nagin's like, oh. been at all of them. She's been at all of them. <laughs> She's there. Boots on the ground. It's like, how can this guy be president? He's not making any sense. And he doesn't have a stutter. At least Biden has a stutter. Right, right, right. To fall back on. Um, it, it is. It's really maddening. I think it, it's sort of the way the both sidesism is working out in the current discourse is 91 felony counts. And on the other side, Biden is old. Like they're both equally negative. <laughs> right. Like, how are these? <laughs> it's like, how are these, no, guys, they're this... not actually the same negative. They're like, one is way more negative. Well, and I think I think Waj is exactly right. Lean into that because these sort of attempts <laughs> at being youthful are so desperate and sad. And I don't know if you saw that Super Bowl one with his red eyes being like, let's ride, boys. It was just a Instagram photo they put out of Biden, like celebrating Dark the Chiefs Brandon. that looked bananas. It was, that's not a good look for the 81-year-old. Now you're doing old grandpa Lollapalooza or something. Like, it's not a cool thing. Just lean into what the, the own it. What own he it. is. Right. right. Exa exactly. Like, lean into Grandpa Biden. It's okay. Um, we don't We don't need shots of him surfing. Like, we're, we got it. <laughs> I, I always feel like the last thing I'll say is like, is like yeah. is the, I said this even in the last election. You're two old men. Grandpa Biden will give you cornbread and like you'll be stuck in the kitchen listening to a long story. Meanwhile, Donald Trump will blow up the barbecue and the house. So like, which <laughs> grandpa do you want? You know, which grandpa do you want? I'll take the cornbread guy who talks a lot. <laughs> All right, folks, which grandpa do you want? Um, let us know. And now let us move on to topic number three. Mr. Mom was a movie in the 1980s that was like, oh, wow, a guy is staying home to take care of his kids. This is the wackiest thing ever. <laughs> that was the whole movie. Well, we read a piece in the New York Times by Kelly Marie Coyne that suggests that with more and more men staying at home to take care of their kids, the Mr. Mom stigma may be fading. Mm. And, um, and by the way, I mentioned Mr. Mom because that's like where the term kind of comes from. But there's movies um, from the 90s where the mo where the dad stays at home and it's a wild wacky situation there was a there's a movie from like um 2003 that she cites that where the dad stays at home so there's a lot of it's like this isn't even this goes to the 2000s the stigma so i guess my first question is to what extent do you feel that there might be a stigma now 
Um, and like all of us are kind of in a weird freelance world where we mm. we probably there's like a lot of shifting who stays and who goes and all that stuff. So um, where where do you guys land on this, Adam? Growing up, there was a comic strip called Adam, and the whole conceit mm. was that Adam is the stay-at-home dad. So I always felt this very hard. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was a very personal issue for me. But I, I do consider it one of the great joys and benefits of my life as a comedian is that I work nights. I do some writing in the morning or whatever, but mostly I'm here for my five-year-old and two-year-old. And you mm. talk to any parent, man or woman, and they're like, oh, you even know these people. They're like, this is the best time. Suck up every second. And you're like, I'm in mm. hell. But they have this sincerity in their eyes. And mm. I am getting all of that. However, going out in society, you still encounter people left and right who are like, oh, are you on dad-ad duty? And I'm always like, no, I'm a dad. Like, this is not a dad-ad duty for a couple yeah. of hours. This is what I do, man. So I think people still are like, ah, I can't believe a dad's out there with his two boys. Like, no, this is just normal, dude. So it's it's still out there. I still see it. Watch. Mr. Mr. Mom, uh, Michael Keaton. Uh, 1983, Terry, Terry Gar was the wife who I think uh, left. Uh, yeah, it, it, it still exists. The stigma still exists. What if that and was all Watch said? He's just an IMDB. Like that was his only comment. <laughs> no. He just gives us the whole cast my, and crew. <laughs> We're like, whoa. That's cool, my watch. nerdy movie Pl- trivia. Plot summary. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I, I know 80s and 90 movies really well, but it's one of those situations where you see, uh, so t- two things. I'm like Adam, right? Uh, a stay-at-home writer. I got three kids, ages nine, seven, and four. And really, it's it's been wonderful, right? Uh, my kids miss me when I'm gone, which is a good sign. When I come home after a trip, and I always try to make the trips like very short. They like run to the door. And like Adam said, when I was in my 20s and I was single, you know, a lot of folks in our industry, if you will, I've never met anyone, man or woman, who sits there and goes, you know what? It was awesome when I was traveling during my my child's youth and I missed it. That was great. I've not met <laughs> one person to this day. So I always try to internalize that. I'm like, maybe these people are onto something. Like, maybe you should stick around. Maybe these years go really fast. And so I've tried to do that with my wife. And, you know, I don't regret it. Yeah, it might have hurt my career a bit, but... I stay at home, I get my work done, uh, I spend time with them, I do the hobbies. So I think our generation is slowly changing it. And also, like you said earlier in the episode, capitalism, it is impossible to have a, a single income family nowadays. Yeah. It just is. So yeah. even if you want to be like, go become traditional, uh, the dude will be like, hey, uh, I know you're like raising our kids, but can you work also? Like, you know, that <laughs> causes problems also. And then the third thing I'll say that what I'm really worried about though, Nagin, I don't know if you saw this uh, data point that came out, I think two weeks ago, it showed young women, and this is where we get the Gen Z back. All right, young women almost <laughs> twice as much liberal as men. Men are going hardcore conservative. And, and like, literally it's like a total oh, dip shit. in the opposite. It's like this for the men, up top for the women. And and I'm really worried, I don't know if you follow this because I follow these alt-right spaces, the right wing. They are getting men with this idea of a toxic old school masculine narrative that men have to be men and look at these pussies staying at home and you know male dads. And they're getting the women saying, you have to be a trad wife. So I'm really worried. This is a trend for people listening. Just watch out in the space for the next five to 10 years. There's a lot of guys like me and Adam, but there's gonna be young folks there who are gonna be radicalized because you know this type of equality is seen as emasculation. Yeah, I, you know, I wonder. Look, and I I think you're right. Just it, because I've I've heard so much too about the the trad wives 
trend. It's a huge like TikTok, Instagram, whatever world. Uh, and it's like some of it's like I make pies or whatever and it's like kind of innocuous and then some of it's like no I ask for permission from my husband when I want to go somewhere like it's like tr- w- like really weird and um, and so I am I am concerned about that and I also wonder if it just if it's like again the and this is what I think about the you know the Trump mania in general is that it's like kind of just the the like last death throes of change where Mm. the change is happening it will change men will not be the sole breadwinners that's just it's changed that actually has already changed it's it's over you know what i mean and these little movements with like trad wives and um, and like, you know, the the kind of alt-right ma- masculinity dudes and the, their popularity feels just like like a last desperate attempt at clutching onto a thing um, before we all just accept that it's like it's just changed. It's and it's hard for people to accept change, you know, so they have to build a TikTok around it. Mm. Um, but like, <laughs> I think it is, you know, I don't know. So I, I, I wonder if. You're wrong, and it'll it'll start to dissipate. I don't know. But I remember reading something. Go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> we're so we're both so polite. I remember reading something about <laughs> this whole Trumpism and sort of the last gasp of the rich conservative white male. And there's many more factors into this. There's racism. There's all of it. But I remember reading it. It was this very macro view of like, yes, the socio political economic landscape is changing. White people are not going to be in the majority forever. And this is like a furious last gasp of people Mm. clutching at every right and every power and everything that they could have as the entitled class. And it will pass. The wave will wash them all away. Will it be 100 years and we all live through hell because of this furious last grasp? Maybe. But the wave will wash them all away. And it's the only thing I ever read that gave me any peace at all. So you're, I think, Nagin, you're right. These movements we see on TikTok are these alt-right trends. And they might be getting more airplay of like an incel or something like that because it's just like good clickbait. Then, but the wave's going to wash it all away. That's what I hope. That's how I go to sleep at night. Yeah, and it sort of feels a little bit like the Prohibition era, like the temperance movement or those things that sort of like, they were last gaspy as well. They were big movements. They did some damage, you know what I mean? But but they they were the end, basically, of right. those of those things. And it could fuck my life and my children's, but maybe it'll <laughs> maybe it'll get better. And just in terms of numbers, look like one in five American parents um who do not work for pay are fathers. So that's twenty percent mm. of mm. non working parents are fathers um, and from 1989 to 2021 that represented a 63.6 percent increase in oh. in dads who are like staying at home um the share of women working is currently at an all-time high uh and and part of that is because women's wages you know tend to be more like tied to educational degree attainment. And so they'll have more degrees, they'll have like higher, more education than their spouses in a lot of cases. So then they'll end up being the ones that do the work and then the dude stays at home, whatever, because they're in a more stable, higher earning job. Um, and I I feel this like in my own life, like I, I know so many women in this situation who are like, 
primary breadwinners. They're not sole breadwinners, but they're primary breadwinners. And then the husband picks up more um, of the of the childcare duty, and they even things out that way. So, um, and it, and it, it and I don't feel like. Yeah, I do. I, if, I don't know. It's hard to say in New York City, the stigma doesn't I don't feel like that stigma in New York City. But I think but maybe, you know, um, you know, in Denver, uh, where everyone's just stoned all the time. We don't know. We don't you, even care. You, no you guys don't even anything. really know. It, yeah, it's there in Virginia. It's I mean, it's a lot, lot, I just want to make a quick point. I know you have to go to the mm-hmm. opposite. It, it's much more prevalent than you think. And okay. I hope you and, and Adam are correct, but I see it even radicalizing a lot of my friends who know better. And, mm. you know, the reason why people go to these narratives of Andrew Tate and the others is because they seek some solution to their problem. And, and, and what I've seen at the consistent thread is that there is something wrong in the marriage or relationship and or dad issues. There's always, like always, like for, for, there's always a common thread. And so at the end of the day, I always say, I can only control myself and my own actions. And if you have dads who are hopefully loving to their, you know, uh, partners and spouses and are loving to the kids, then we've modeled the type of good behavior in which our children, especially our sons, are like, oh, my dad was a nurturing, caring man who was also masculine and provided and played with me. There's another way to do it. And then maybe we can inoculate the future. Well said. All right. Um, Folks, that is the end of the show. I want to thank... both of you so much for joining me. This was so fun. Uh, and I mean, like Gen Z loved everything we had to say. So we I, fucking My numbers, I've gotten it. so many new followers. This hasn't even come out yet. And my phone is blowing up. I, I just, it's insane. All these 19 year olds. It's great. This is I huge mean, for me. Yeah. That's just the power of um, just like a nice political chat on Fake the Nation. <laughs> my Blackberry is buzzing. <laughs> um, I would love for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and all the wonderful things that you do. Watch. Where do they do that? Uh, you can read my book. It's called Go Back to Where You Came From and other helpful recommendations on how to become American. It's it's out in paperback. Uh, you can follow me on the Twitters at Wajahatali and at Threads and Instagram at Insta Wajahat. Do all of that. He's a, a, a font of information and insight and uh, and it's just wonderful um, to be able to read his good works. Adam, where do people find you? You can check out my new special wallpaper on YouTube. You can check out my podcast the Grolic Saves the World, and on all the socials at, at Katen Holland. Uh, and folks, you know where to find me and all the things that I do. Um, and I want to remind you to go to patreon.com slash Farsad if you want to support the show. And don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. It really helps people find the show. And I want to thank everyone who makes the show possibility. That's our wonderful producer, Andrew McGuire. Um, thanks to everyone at HeadGum for making this show a reality. Um, thanks to Gobby Alter for our theme music. If you have any questions, concerns, thoughts, you want to write me an email the way Adam did. Uh, sorry, the way Adam, the way David did. Uh, you can email us at fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com. And otherwise, we'll be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.